Hello and welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. Alan Kleinfeld, like me, studied writing and found himself in the world of meeting and event planning. After 9-11, he became very focused on event safety and security, and he's now a consultant on safety and emergency response planning for our industry. Alan has generously agreed to join us today to talk about how to be ready for everyday risks that are actually likely to happen in addition to the major incidents like an active shooter that could threaten your meeting or event. Welcome, Alan. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to talk about event safety. Can you start by telling me just a little bit about what, what you do? Sure. So my background is, and thanks for asking, and thanks for inviting me to be here. My background is in basically a meeting planning. I mean, I got my undergraduate degree in professional writing and combined that with several jobs. And somewhere along the line, I started planning events for the associations I was working for. And then I was living in D.C. when 9-11 happened, and the apartment we were living in overlooked the Pentagon. So I could see that big black hole burning through the evening and just kind of glowing and, and mocking mocking me. So I signed up to be a police reserve officer outside of the, the DC area. And that eventually led into me adding safety as part of my meeting planning. So it became one of my things where I decided, you know what, not enough of us are doing this and we're having these things like 9-11 or the Boston bomber or climate change disasters and meeting planners don't seem to be ready for it. So I became essentially a meeting planner who helps meeting planners plan safe events. And that might be anything from your basic checklist just to, for things like trip and falls or making sure that your AV cables are taped down to making sure that your hotel elevators have their inspection stickers in them or that the parking garage at your venue is, is well lit at night things of that nature. I try not to be the gloom and doom guy that some people think I am. It's not a fun, sexy topic, but it's a necessary one. So I'm always trying to do something where it's also foundational and basic so that it's not so overwhelming to the meeting planners that they're doing so much right now with planning and going back to face-to-face and doing hybrid and then you know having to think of COVID and then active shooter or whatever. So I try to put it into a aspect where it's not the gloom, the heavy gloom and doom and everything is on your shoulder type of thing. Tell me if you agree with this. I feel like we've put more attention into things that are not likely to happen than the stuff that happens all the time. And I'll give you a couple examples. Like sure. I was attending a meeting. It wasn't one of our meetings where somebody holding a glass of wine tripped and fell, the glass broke, that kind of thing. And I just observed how it was handled. And there was an incident report and someone from the property came down and they asked if she needed medical help. And I was fascinated by how it was handled because I I just feel like a lot of meeting planners 
wouldn't even just have that in mind, like the basic what to do. And then at one of our own events, we were outside for a reception and somebody got bit by some kind of insect and went into anaphylactic shock. Mm. And in a, in a way, instinct kicks in. We called security. We called 911. We got her inside. Paramedics came and I went in the ambulance with her to the hospital just so somebody from the event was with her. And but this was all stuff that happened on the fly. I mean, I'm sure we have that in in our safety documents, but I think too often either they're not read or reviewed by the on-site team, then you're kind of it's like, who's in charge? What do we do? Let's do this. Okay. <laughs> so so let me know what your experience has so, been. So a couple of things real quick. One is I, I'm like everyone else. I will give advice that I sometimes don't follow. And um, case in point would be with COVID. Even though I'm pro-mask, I don't wear my mask every time I should. I will wear it on an airplane because I feel more threatened there. But I... I try to, as much as I can, do what I advise, but I don't always. But to what you were just saying, I do think that we do tend to prepare for things that are less likely to happen. And one of the reasons I think we do that is so that we don't forget that they could happen and that we have a written plan or some kind of plan for what to do for when they happen. And also as just a basic necessity to let our staff and our stakeholders know, hey, we didn't forget about this possibility, and here's what we're going to do if it happens, but it's really unlikely. But what you said is really valid as well. I think it's really important for people to, for planners in particular, to plan for the everyday kind of stuff. I don't know if what I'm about to say means I'm bad luck (laughs) or just that I do a lot of events, but I've been on scene at three different events where we've had to do CPR on people. Mm -hmm. And when it happens, like you said, no one really knows what to do. We're never really ready for that to happen. And it was just fortunate that some of my training was, was such that when I saw someone fell, first thing I did was flip out my phone and call 911 and see if there was someone who could start CPR while I'm dialing that number. Mm -hmm. And, but when I looked up from the phone, as I'm talking to the dispatcher, everyone was just standing around. No one was doing anything. No one was trying to help the people from his office who were traveling with him. No one started to think about things like, can an ambulance get in here? Do we need to clear cars? Is there an access? And so when you start doing some basic checklists, when it actually happens, there is an element of, okay, I'm going to do this because you've you've been writing it down on your checklist, you've been training for it, you've been thinking about it. And now that there's been this trip and fall or this unconscious person happen or a wine glass cutting you, there's now um, an expectation that you can can handle it. Right, right. And I, I think it's so important because every second counts in that kind of a scenario. And I think people tend to freeze when they don't know what to do. So the preparedness it counters that. You it know, does. You can put the plan in action, but there has to be a plan that That's you right. discussed and that you remember because nobody's getting out the binder when <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> right. somebody has a heart attack on the floor well where did i put that safety plan that's right um, so it and that's part of our that's part of like the human element is that when something happens like that that's 
that's kind of fear-based, we, we freeze for a second. But what you just said is very accurate. If you've trained for it or talked about it or chatted about it or just read about it, um, you're a little more prepared to just react when you need to just react. Yeah. So in your experience in working with clients, what are we missing? What are the big things that meeting planners should be doing that in general we're not doing? I'll tell you this, it's getting better. More and more meeting planners now are thinking about safety when they're doing their site visits or when they're working on their goals and objectives or when they're thinking about risk reduction for their attendees and stakeholders. My thing is just to kind of start small. So one of the things that we've already kind of talked about is a basic list when you're doing a site visit or putting a plan together. The basic stuff would be hotel security, hotel cameras, lighting inside the hotel or the venue, outside the hotel or venue, the access and safety of outdoor event space. These are not these are not big critical threat life-threatening events or something really scary, but if you're checking that off your list, then you're actually reducing those risks should something actually happens. So you've, you've done your site visit and you know about the lighting and access of an outdoor event space and something happens during that, something, something not major, like a trip and fall, you now know the access points to get to help quick. You now know where you can get light if you need to maybe focus on a person's injury or something like that. So that basic stuff needs to really be picked up a little bit more. That's one of the things we're lacking in. Then the other thing, I, I, once we're past an emergency, we tend not to want to think about that emergency ever again. And maybe it's just human nature. Um, I always reflect back on 9-11 because I don't know where you were on 9-11. I was in D.C. on 9-11. And if you were in D.C. or New York, I think it impacted you a lot more than in other places. And whenever, still to this day, whenever I see an unattended suitcase in an airport, yeah. I get a little anxious. I, I would like to think that we don't become complacent so quickly. I think after COVID is over, and we've gotten to a point where it's agreed it's an endemic and not pandemic, that people stop washing their hands as much, and people stop caring about distancing. And that's fine if everything's great, but you know what's going to happen is we're going to see an uptick in flu, we're going to see an uptick in cold, and we may see a new variety or a new version or variant of COVID. So I kind of think one of the things we need to work on is not letting our guard down uh, until there's something that, sh- that says out there, hey, it's okay to let our guard down. When I mentioned 9-11, you still to this day have to go through TSA to get on an airplane. And what are the chances that that might happen, that someone might try to overtake an airplane? It may be slim, but the powers that be say that's still a very legit of concern. So they're not going to stop doing that. And I kind of think right now with COVID as the most current emergency that we shouldn't get complacent with it yet and just and, and keep working at it. And I think some of the things that we've adopted, such as the security process at the airports, are great for so ma- preventing so many potential situations or incidents. It's not just like a preventing a terrorist attack. Right. People aren't taking guns and knives on the airplane. And, and I don't see that going away anytime. And I think the simple things like washing our hands frequently and not getting too close to people. And even, I don't know, I, I don't think masks will be something that stays, but I agree with you in terms of crowded public transportation situations. It just seems logical. So another thing that is going to start happening in the next year or two, 
as another, people are calling it another pandemic. They're saying the next big thing is going to be mental health issues or emotional health as a result of the two years of COVID. And that may be the case. Everyone is so, so tired of COVID and they so want to get back to normal so quickly. But I, my fear is that we'll do it too quickly. And I think, I think meeting planners for the most part have put a protocol in place for if someone gets sick on site. Is that, do you see that in your work with meeting planners? I do. One of the really good partnerships between the planners and their venues is that everyone seems to be on board with, hey, if someone comes down with COVID or they test positive, this is the steps we're going to take. And everyone seems to have a really good concept of it's time to isolate this person five days alone. And then if they're not having any symptoms, they can go back out in the world with a mask on or join the meeting or whatever it may be. But when I'm working with a group and I'm writing up a COVID compliance plan, I already have a pre, I have a written statement or a written section on what we'll do with the venue if someone comes down with COVID and and the venues help, they have to have a space where we can isolate these people until they feel well enough to, until they either test negative or the symptoms go away. So I do find that one of those things that people are doing and that might stay in some other format. Maybe it'll get to a point where if it's, if from the planner side, if there's a trip and fall, they'll have a react, they'll have something planned so they can react to that without that pause we were talking about earlier. Right that they've covered the things that are more likely to happen. Exactly. You know, what else is something that we're commonly missing or, or that we should be aware of that meeting um, might not have thought of? One of the things I've started advising some of the meeting planners I work with is when you do your site visits, maybe see if the uh, head of loss prevention or security can come along with you just to point out how much of those fundamental safety things you can check off your list just Uh as a matter of policy or regulation. Right. And even point out areas that incidents might have occurred to be aware of. This step, as the example in the outdoor reception, this staircase will be roped off for your event. Exactly. Things like that. Right. Yeah. While you're walking the hotel on a site visit, that's when and where the appropriate person can say, listen, if the fire alarm goes off, off, this is how you get out of the building. And this is where your attendees should meet. Or, hey, if the lights go out, these battery-operated generators will pop on or whatever whatever it might be. The nice thing about having someone along on a site visit who does that is when you as the meeting planner go along on a site visit with your sales representative, you're both looking at it from the meeting perspective, which is great. But when you add that person, like a person like me or a person like a security person from the venue, we're looking at it from a slightly different perspective. We're in, as you're looking at it from room sets, that security guy is going to be looking at the emergency exits. And he may point out, this room has these exits, they're marked by lighted signs. And if the fire alarm goes off, those are the ways you should get out. And right then and there, the meeting planner can say, oh, I forgot. Yeah, done. I think an important part of that that's often skipped is communicating that to your participants. That's something that we do in the beginning of every meeting. We point out the exits and also we point, we let them know where the rally point is in the event the facility needs to be evacuated. That's very good stuff to have. Yeah, because running out the exits and then where are they going? We were just at the Marriott Marquis. And their rally point was the Westin in Times Square. 
oh, nice. a couple of blocks away. And you see that properties coordinate with one another that way. I, th- I think having it in place is one thing. Communicating it to the people <laughs> that are in the room is important. I do too. And there are different ways to do that. Like you said, sometimes it's just saying it at the beginning of the sessions. Sometimes you can put it in an app or a registration email or a registration packet. But whatever it is, that's a very valid point that if you're getting this stuff from the hotel and not letting your attendees know about it, that could be just a failure on the meeting planner part just for that one little piece of communication. Yeah. And also, how are you going to communicate in an emergency to your participants. So right. we do use an app and we have push notifications. Yes. The app. And usually it's just 10 minutes until breakfast, make your way to the <laughs> right, right, sunshine right. room. Right, but, right. but in the event of an emergency, we would be able to say the building is being evacuated. Please meet our group at whatever location. That's right. And that's probably been communicated somewhere on the line. Hey, if something happens, it will be on the app. So keep your notifications on and we'll get you the information you need. Right. I mean, you could use that feature for the positive COVID case as well. You know, hey, it'll pop up. There's been a case. You might hear a case has been discovered person's been isolated, the meeting's not affected, let's keep going and just use that as a quick pop-up. It also plays down the um, urgency of it so that it's not so freaky. Right. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's very important and in- increasingly possible to have the ability to message your group it and is. alert them of any scenario that they need to be aware of. I agree. And and that's something that uh, I think can be built into a lot of different technology right now. And that's one of those things that, again, doesn't necessarily have to be on the head of the planner. So one of the things I like to tell meeting planners is you'll hear, pe- you'll, you'll hear people like me talk about cybersecurity or communi- crisis communication or risk emergency response plans. When I say stuff like that, it's not like, hey, you... Mrs. Meeting Planner, you got to figure this all out. When I bring up cybersecurity, all I need you to do is just talk to your IT people or your in-house computer expert and say, hey, we're taking our registration database on site. Can you make sure the laptop is secure from being hacked or violated? So it's not the meeting planner who's actually doing it. It's just one of their things on their list that they need to make sure gets done. Same thing with crisis communication. Maybe the meeting planner is not going to be dealing with those little pop-ups from the app that say, come to breakfast or leave the building. (laughs) But it could be someone on their marketing team or communications team. And so the meeting planner just says, hey, marketing person, you've got everything set up in case we have to notify people, right? And you just get that check off. I like to tell meeting planners, the safety umbrella is not something that's always on their shoulders. It's a shared thing throughout your organization and with your partnerships, with your partners, with the uh, vendors and suppliers. That's really important. I, I think meeting planners are bad at delegating. <laughs> I know that's a generalization, but there's a sense that they need to handle everything to be sure yeah. it happens and happens. In <laughs> yeah. And yeah. things like that are out of their wheelhouse in yeah. some cases. And certainly they're busy enough running an event. Right. right. And IT should handle IT. Yeah. I, I like that approach. Just put it yeah. on the checklist to make sure 
somebody is handling. That's right. You know, you know and, and that now I changed. You'd asked me at the beginning of our conversation what was one of the most important things that I think we're not doing, and I think that is probably one of the most important things. Right. We're delegating not is delegating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been in that position when I was an in-house planner. the The mindset is my name is attached to this event. So I need to make sure that everything that I touch is done right because if it doesn't, even if it wasn't me that messed up, it's going to come back to me. So I understand that sense. But as you, as I evolved in my career, and I'm sure other planners are evolving with bigger meetings and more sponsors and more um, crises to deal with, you do have to learn how to delegate. Anything else that we did not touch upon that you think is important? Um... I think transparency is a good thing to emphasize mm-hmm. that really is. you don't want to cover up a risk. <laughs> it's no. really the worst thing yeah. that you could do. Well, my job essentially these days is advising on event safety and security. So I will generally give advice that reduces the risk as much as you can. Then ultimately it's up to the meeting planner and their stakeholders to decide how they want to use that information. I'll go to a client and I'll say, if you want this to be the least risky meeting in the world, you'll do it this way. And they'll say, okay, well, out of the 10 options you gave us, we're going to pick five. Can you manage those five for us? And I'll say yes. And we'll have a successful face-to-face event. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate the insight. Have a great day. Thanks, Lauren. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. Be sure to rate and review us and subscribe. Check back for new episodes soon.